title of my message today is called In Your Footsteps, and I'm going to be ministering out of the words of Nehemiah, a passage, and I just want to read the scripture. In Nehemiah chapter 4, the scriptures say this, Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings. I set people according to their families with their swords and their spears and their bows. I said to the nobles, leaders, and people, do not be afraid of them. Remember, the Lord is great and awesome. Fight for your brother. Fight for your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. And we're going to be talking about family. And I believe that family matters are important to us and important to God. I want to start with a little funny story. There's a, a young girl who walked up to her dad and asked, hey, where did people come from? Where did all the people of the earth, all of humanity originate? And he said, well, you know, there are some monkeys, and they evolved, and eventually they became people like we see today. The little girl walked up to her mom and said, hey, mom, where did people come from? Where did all of humanity come from? Well, she said, well, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and then he created people, and they were called Adam and Eve, and from them, we existed. And she was a little confused because she got two different answers. So a little while later, she went up to her mom again. She said, how come dad says that we come from monkeys, and you say we come from God? And the mom said, well, your dad is describing his side of the family, and I described <laughs> our side of the family. <laughs> Uh, so precious. Well, as we talk about family, I just believe it's critical for us to fight for our families and have a biblical understanding of the importance of families. And I, I believe that many of us have different family backgrounds, different histories, the composition of our families are very different, but I think we can agree on this, that all of us want to create a family culture that future generations do not have to recover from. We want to create a family that we don't have our kids or people in our lives have to recover from like many of us have experienced. Because as you can understand, family can bring some of the greatest joys in our life and it can also bring some of the greatest pains in our life, amen? You know, growing up, I, I had an interesting relationship with my dad and, and my cousins. And my family used to say this phrase to me all the time. They would say, I hope one day you get a son exactly like you because you are such a troublemaker. You're so mischievous. I used to get in so much trouble. Like if my mom didn't pour my cereal right, the milk in the cereal just right, I would literally pour it on my head. I was that kid. I was the kid that would chase my cousins around family gatherings trying to pee on them. I, and I'm a pastor now, but I used to be just a peer then. And so, uh, <laughs> I mean, they would say, I hope you have a kid just like you. And my dad and I have this strange relationship where I, for as long as I can remember, honestly, I, I, whenever I greet my dad, I, I just I bite him. Okay, anybody with me? <laughs> I, it's kind of weird. But I, it's, and it's not a Sri Lankan cultural thing. It's just weird. So don't think all Sri Lankans do this. And uh, so I, I'll, I'll, like, I'll jump on my dad's back, or I'll grab his arm, or his hand. Or if we're shaking hands, I'll pull it in, and I'll bite it. And he gets so angry. But it's kind of our, our relationship 
now. And uh, so he, he said, oh, now that you have a two-year-old son, I'm going to train him how to bite you. And you are going to feel what I felt all these years, finally getting my payback. So he was spending like two weeks with my son, training him how to bite. And so the day came, and Ovi, my son's name is Ovi, approaches me. And my dad's like, okay, son or grandson, bite him, bite him, bite him, bite him. And Ovi, I'm not even making this up, turns around and bites my dad. <laughs> Glory to God. Come on, somebody. And seeing that, just like many of our family situations, seeing that brought me great joy. <laughs> but then, my dad just got out of his chair and directly bit me. <laughs> and that brought me great pain. <laughs> Family is like that, isn't it? Family can be some of the greatest joys in our life, but it can also be some of the greatest pain in our lives. And that's why I think it's so important that we kind of take the stance that we want to create a family culture that future generations don't have to recover from. And I, I realize there's all sorts of different family backgrounds in this room. Many of you would say I had a really healthy, normal family, and I kind of hate you for that. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't hate you. I love that, and we're actually promoting that. <laughs> but some of us would say my, my family is dysfunctional, amen, and not only is my family dysfunctional, but my family puts the F-U-N in dysfunctional, right? Anybody like that? Don't, you don't have to raise your hand if you have family in this room. Others would say, like, my, my family was just broken. Or my family has been distant. My family hardly talks together. My family is bitter. My family has been filled with violence. My family has been filled with anger. My family, I don't remember the last time we've gone together. My, my family is happy as long as we're in different cities. Or I, I, I just don't want to have anything in my life ever like my family was. I've given up on the idea of family because of my reality. Or I don't know if I could ever live up to the expectations of family that my parents or my siblings or the people in my life have for me. Or, ah, oh, my children are going to be so messed up because I'm messed up and I'm kind of a horrible father or a mother or I'm just a bad brother, a sister. I never talk to my cousins and we're just filled with guilt because my family isn't this happy family that we maybe see on TV or expect to experience when we are people who love Jesus. My family isn't perfect and I have some issues and I don't know exactly what to do with all these experiences. And so I just want to let you know today that no matter what your family background is, no matter what your experience with family has been, whether you're single, married, divorced, you know, married again, I don't care what your situation is, I believe that there is hope for all of our families. And I believe that families matter to God and they matter to Kalos Church and they matter to us. And I believe that no matter what your situation is, that this series can help us walk together to create the kinds of family that future generations don't have to recover from. So how many of you guys would love to fight for families in this place? Love to have a new beginning. Love to have hope introduced into your family reality. And so no matter where you are at, I just want to encourage you, will you give a chance to faith? Would you give your heart a chance to encounter hope again for your family life? Because I totally believe it is possible. And uh, I want to be honest that there are so many times in my life I've wanted to give up on the idea of family. 
You know, I haven't, I haven't lived with my mom since I was 11 years old. I haven't lived with my dad since I was 17. In every angle of my family life, every couple has gotten a divorce, which scares me with my marriage. My sister's gotten a divorce. My, my parents have gotten multiple divorces. My grandparents have gotten multiple divorces. In every generation, as far back as I can trace my family line, they've all ended up in divorce. And my family was so unhealthy that I honestly have the fear of God having a child that I've brought into my baggage and to my life. But I, I believe that in the midst of crumbling situations with our family life, when there seems to be despair, I believe that there's something in the scriptures that it really encourages me, and it's tracing back to that scripture from Nehemiah, and that's where I want to develop this message from, and some points on why we should fight for our families today. In the book of Nehemiah, it was in the Old Testament that this man, who was not a priest, he wasn't a prophet, he was a cupbearer for a Persian king, and he had a burden for the city of Jerusalem. Why? Because the city of Jerusalem had the Jewish temple, but the walls around Jerusalem had been destroyed. And it left the families there very vulnerable to foreign kingdoms and armies. It left the temple very vulnerable. And one day, Nehemiah is really burdened by this reality. And he talks to the king and says, I'm so grieved that this is happening. And these walls are destroyed, and things are so exposed. And I feel like many of us might feel that way about our families today. I'm so grieved that the, the, the protecting aspects of my family are destroyed. My family is not a safe place. My family is so vulnerable, and it's just not as I believe it could be or should be. And I'm just so grieved. And so Nehemiah feeling a grieving for this city, this community, for the families within that. He, he gathers people and, praise the Lord, he is able to build those walls through families with shovels in one hand, weapons in the other hand, because they're being attacked as they build, and they're able to miraculously build this in 52 days. Not bad for a cupbearer. But in a time when they're being attacked while building the walls, Nehemiah says the scripture that we just read, and it encourages me as I fight for my family, and I want to read it again. He said, therefore, I position men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings. I set people according to their families with their swords and their spears and their bows. I say to the nobles, leaders and people, do not be afraid of them. Remember, the Lord is great and awesome. Fight for your brother, fight for your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. And today, I want to communicate this to all of us. If you're willing to fight for your family, God will fight for you. Fight for your family, and God will fight for you. And I want to encourage you, we are not victims of our family culture. We are not victims to the past. We can fight. We can win. We can create the future. We don't have to let our past talk us out of our future because we can fight. And when we fight for our families, God will fight for us. So why should we fight for our families? The first thing I want to share is this. Families are foundational. 
Families are the building block of the nation, of states, of cities, of communities. Families are the first institution that God created. God created families, and God created the church, and I want to let you know, God created families much earlier than he ever created the church. It was the first thing he did. Even, uh, even in the book Publix uh, by Aristotle, he says fathers, mothers, children, they serve as the building block of every society. From the nucleus comes the extended family, then the village, then the town, and then the state. And actually, it wasn't uh, the suburbs of the 1950s that created the term the nuclear family. It was actually Aristotle in this book that talks about the nucleus of all society and culture and nations being the family. If you can destroy a family, culture, you can destroy society and nations and states. And this was the first institution God created. Way back, God created in the heavens and there. He created Adam and Eve. And he says, hey, be fruitful and multiply. These two shall become one, one group, one entity, one family. And from that will be the safety to be fruitful and multiply. And uh, some of you guys might be thinking, though, okay, so family is God's idea. Family was institution. Well, I don't know if my family was God's idea because we are pretty jacked up. <laughs> Amen. I want to show you some pictures of you might feel like this is your family. Phil, can you put up these pictures? So you might be saying, let's have a family gathering for the remaining family members who still speak to each other. <laughs> Next one, picture. Maybe your family's like this, and you're like, I don't know if this was God's idea. Was this really God's first institution? All the, maybe you're like this next family. You know, you're like, that's just a lot of denim. That, surely that wasn't God's idea. That could not be godly. That's like too much Chuck Norris. All right, next. Maybe you're like, wow, that, that can't be healthy. But that's my family. How about another one? You're like, okay, that baby's like, I don't know about this whole idea of family. <laughs> you know, family is so critical to our society, but we, we've seen divorce, rampage families. My family has so much divorce, and it affected me as a young man, and just losing the security of my family led me into so much pain, so much insecurity, a loss of my identity, and I, I longed for family. Why? Because God created us with a longing for community. Even in Psalm 68.6, it says that God is in the business of setting the lonely in families in 68.6. God is in the business. And I think even in our culture in America, definitely in Bellevue, there are so many people from broken families or distant families, and we are longing for community. And we are expecting so many people to do in our lives what really family is meant to do in our lives. And I, I just think that this longing was set there by God, that we were designed to not do life alone, but to do life in community, to do life in family, that it is really difficult to love people if you're not with people, right? And so we are designed to not just live life with God, but to live life with each other, to love one another, to be with people, to be with family. And uh, I, that's why I have a stance in my heart that, like, I, I kind of have a priority in my heart that I, I prioritize God as the center of my life. He's first and foremost. And then second for me is my family. 
And then third is the call of God and mission and purpose and ministry, church life for me. Because if my, my relationship with God is not right, my, my family is going to suffer. And if my family isn't in order, this church is going to suffer. And so I've prioritized my family and God above my career. Because it was God's idea. It's what God created first. And I, I just really believe that many of us need to see family as foundational, even more than our careers. Even more than our hobbies, we need to fight for our families. There's this quote by Dwight L. Moody that I, I'm really challenged by, and he says this, I believe the family was established long before the church, and my duty is to my family first. I am not to neglect my family. Amen? It's foundational. And I, I kind of have this mantra that I say to myself, I will let my career die before I let my family die. I will let Kalos Church die before I let my family die. I just will, because families are foundational. And if my family's not in order, who am I to preach the gospel? Who am I to love the world but neglect my family? Who am I to make everybody feel like I'm the best person in the world, but at home I am just a burden and a pain to be around because they don't feel like I love them? And so I will let my career I will let my ministry, I will let my hobbies die before I let my family die. Families are foundational. This was God's idea. And God is the creator of family, and he's the sustainer of family. And uh, I want to let you know, though, even though this was God's idea and families are foundational, if you have a dysfunctional family, if you have a bad family life, I want to let you know that you are in good company. I mean, Adam and Eve, they sinned. There's no sin in the world. They had perfect communion with God, and they still had dysfunction. Even God as a perfect father created a family that had dysfunction. In fact, their kids, Cain and Abel, are the first murder recorded in the Bible, brother killing a brother. I mean, even in the life of Jesus, his family wasn't perfect. They lost Jesus when they were at the temple worshiping, and I think at that time he might have been an only child. I mean, that's pretty bad when it's like a full day and you don't realize your kid is with you. I mean, Joseph in the Bible, his own siblings sold him into slavery. Talk about a dysfunctional family. I mean, so if you have a bad family life, I, don't lose hope. You're in good company <laughs> filled with the people in the Bible. And so the second thing I want to share is that we need to understand when we're fighting for our families. We need to fight for our families because families are foundational. But I want to let you know, and this might be new to you, but families are generational. Families are generational. You ever go to the doctor and they ask you, what's your family history? Why do they ask that question? Because they know the things that impacted your family in the past are probably going to impact you in the present. And we know that the things that are impacting us in the present are probably going to impact our generations in the future. And that's why many of us are like, amen, I don't want to create a family culture that future generations have to recover from. Because instinctively, we know that families are generational. You know, in the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, For since death came through a man, 
The resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. And look at these generations and how it impacts one another. For as in Adam all die, so because Adam messed up, all of us generationally are experienced the consequences of his decisions and sin. For as in Adam all die, but so in Christ all will be made alive. So Jesus Christ really represents a new humanity. Another way of saying that is the second Adam. And so where Adam brought in death, Jesus brings in life. And many of us have experienced that life, amen? We've been delivered from death and experienced life. But we see the power of generations. Even in Psalms 145.4, the scripture says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. You ever read the scriptures and you see like a whole list of names, and you're like, this person beget this person, or this person was the son of this person. It's a fancy way of, it's a, the fancy word for that is genealogy. You see a chain of a family line and a family history. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Have you ever heard of that or seen that in the Bible? And th those are genealogies, and it shows the generations and so many of us are bored when we're reading the Bible and there's just a list of names. And you're like, oh my goodness, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this at night so I can go to sleep because this is so boring. Some of you have done that. I know that for a fact. I don't judge you. I've done it as well. <laughs> but the, these generations are boring. But when you learn the meanings of the names and the histories of the families, actually the scriptures can come alive. And you're like, wow, this is actually richer than I believe. And it's this whole idea of generations and how one generation impacts the next generation. My name is three generations. So my name is Pradeepan Jivamanoharan Sivaretna. So actually, God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? I am Pradeepan, son of Jivamanoharan, son of Sivaretna. Generational, right? So if I would have kept the family tradition alive in my family, Amritha's last name would, would have been Pradeepan. Amritha spouse of Pradeepan. God bless you. And it's this whole idea of generations and how Adam has impacted us with sin. Jesus has impacted us with new life. And we receive that. But I want to communicate that everyone in this room, you are a carrier to things from your past that you will transmit into your future. You've received things. You've heard phrases like, well, my grandpa was a doctor. You know, my mom was a doctor, and now I'm a doctor. And it's kind of instinctively, it's a generational pattern. You know, my, my, my grandparents are alcoholics. My parents are alcoholics, so I'm probably going to be an alcoholic. Or my, my family has all gone in divorces. That's, that's just how our family is. And we realize that things are generational. And uh, it, it can be kind of scary because we will pass these things on unless we choose to deal with them now. And I, I want to let you know, you have received things from your family in the past, but that does not mean you have to pass them on to the future. The curses that you've lived with, the burdens that you've carried, you can be free from them. You can be set free from them, absolutely. But we need to realize that our choices today will become either our family's stepping stones to walk in blessings and favor. Our choices today will become either our family's stepping stones or their stumbling blocks. You know, and my, my single people in this room, you're thinking, well, I, I, this series isn't for me. I don't have a family. I want to let you know the habits 
And the things that you're developing right now as a single person will create habits that you take into your marriage that your children will watch and it will become part of that generational pattern. One generation will declare the goodness of God to the next generation, but that can work in a negative way. The sins that I'm dealing with, I might pass on to my children. I might pass on to the people around us. You know, there's this story that inspires me, and this, this man used to go to work, and he could walk to work from where he lived, and one day, it was, uh, it was a really cold day, and he decided, I'm just going to keep on with my pattern, and every day before he went to work, he actually went to a bar, and he would, he would get loose before the workday started. He would get a few drinks, and he, his family line was filled with alcoholics, and he just, this is how he dealt with the stress of life and work. It was the only way he knew how. So every day he would go to this bar and drink, go to work. One day it snowed, heavy snow, snow was heavy enough to see footprints, and he's walking to the bar, and you know, he's stepping in the snow, it's fine. But right before he walks into the bar, he looks over his shoulder, and he sees his grandson following every one of his footsteps. His grandson had been stepping in every print that he left behind. And he realized, oh my goodness, my decisions don't just affect me, but my grandson is literally stepping in every print that I leave along the way. And that day he decided, you know what? I'm not gonna let my grandson suffer the same addictions that I've had my whole life and I'm making a decision to not go to the bar and leave a better example for my grandson. And uh, that's why I titled this message, In Your Footsteps. Because every decision you're making right now, all of your habits, your life is leaving a footprint that someone is going to walk in. It might not be a child, it might be a friend, it might be a family, it might be someone who looks up to you, but everything you're doing is leaving a path for others to follow behind. And my question today is, we understand generations and how God is generational. Where are you leading people with your decisions? We need to understand this because we aren't victims to our past and we can shape the future Point number three, we need to understand that families are shapeable. Families are shapeable, and we aren't a victim. You know, in Galatians 3.13, the scripture says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Christ has paid every debt and broken every curse. The key is to believe that and act on it. The blood of Christ covers all curses. And that's why I'm saying this verse in Nehemiah, as we understand how important families are, it was God's idea. We understand that it's generational, that the home of yesterday impacts the home of today, and the home of today impacts the home of tomorrow. We need to understand that we aren't victims, but these things are shapeable, and we can make healthy decisions, and that our families do matter to God and our community, and we can win, and there is a reason for hope. So if you've been walking in curses, if you feel like you've carried the curses of your family past, I want to let you know that Christ has taken the curse so you can walk in a new course. Christ has taken those curses. You're not a victim. 
Your family's addictions don't have to be your addictions. Your family's mistakes aren't your mistakes. Your family's faults don't have to be what you pass on to your children. Christ has redeemed us from the curse so you can walk in a new course. Amen? And I I just believe that we can make a decision today as a community. My kid's future will not be the reality of the curse. And I'm going to fight for my family believing that God will fight for me. Amen? And in the scriptures, there's a man, Joshua, in 2415, he says this phrase that I love, and I hope that this can be an anthem in your heart. He says this, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What? There's been divorce. There's been pain. There's been addictions. There's been abuse. There's been violence. There's been bitterness. There's been distance. There's been generations of all of this pain and hurt and darkness, but you know what? Today here at Kayla's Church, I'm making a decision. As for me and my house, We will serve the Lord. My family will be blessed. My family will be whole. My family will be healthy. My family will walk in life and life abundantly. As for me and my house, I choose to fight for my family, knowing that God will fight for me. So I make a choice. I make a stand right now. My footprints will lead to Jesus. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's a reason for hope. And I I just want to let you know, you didn't choose your family, but you can choose its future. You're not a victim. Your family matters to God, amen? And your past doesn't have to determine your future. And I just want to challenge everybody to fight. Don't leave your family to the church. Fight for your family harder than we do. Don't leave your family to the schools. Fight for your family harder than schools do. Don't leave your family to media. Fight for your family more than Netflix does. Reverse the curse. Set a new course. You know, I I told you, I'm a little scared for my family, and I'm just making the choice to fight. You know, my, my family is so nomadic. They literally live all over the world. You know, we have not stayed together. There's so much divorce. There's so much pain. I mean, it, it's just crazy. I don't feel very domestic. When I first met Amrita, I told her I'm probably never going to live in America. I'm just going to wear a backpack and roam countrysides. That's just, do you want to marry me? A, a counselor actually told her, she, don't marry him. He's, you're just going to be roaming countrysides for the rest of your life. He's, he, doesn't want, he's, he doesn't want a family. He, do, he doesn't know what it means to have a domestic lifestyle or have, have someone who has responsibilities. And I, I just, you know, I'm not a perfect husband or a perfect father, but I'm like, I'm trying to learn, like, to be better with, like, cleaning the dishes or, like, not giving my heart to the church and abandoning my family. Like, I honestly could probably be a better pastor if I was a worse husband. I could probably be a better pastor as far as, like, what people expect of me if I was a worse father. I'd have more time. I could pray with everybody individually. I could, you know, brainstorm more. I could rehearse my sermons more. I could go to more conferences and learn and read more books. But I've, I've made something my priority, that I, I don't want to be the kind of person that has a great church but a horrible family. 
That's just not me. Like, I'd rather let Kalos Church die than my family die because it's that important to God and it's that important to us. And I don't want my kid to have to recover from the decisions I made because he is following in my footsteps. And I just want to ask you, where are your footsteps leading future generations? What decisions are you making? Are you going to end your life with a great business or a great career, but your kids don't know you? Your siblings don't know you. Your cousins don't know you. Your spouse doesn't even know you. You've stopped creating memories. Like, like your friends are neglected, all these different things. Like you, you have money. You, you have a great LinkedIn, but your family has dismantled. Is that worth living for? LinkedIn? And we laugh, but this is the reality of what our actions and our decisions and our money prove in our lives. I'm telling you what, LinkedIn is not worth giving your life for. It's not. And so let's fight for our families, believing that God will fight for us. You know, if you want a family that feels like the most amazing thing on earth, you need to treat it like it's the most amazing thing on earth. If you want a family that feels like the most amazing thing on earth, you need to treat it like the most amazing thing on earth. We need to fight for our families, believing God will fight for us. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much that you fight for us, that you've created families for us to experience love, safety, and peace. We thank you that you created that even back then in the garden. Lord, I, I just pray that just like Nehemiah, who was grieved by the state of the walls protecting families, he chose to say, I'm going to fight. I pray that, Lord, Kalos Church would be a community of love, a community of caring for people, that we want to give our, thing, our lives to, like, lesser importance. Like, careers are great. You know, hobbies are great. I mean, but they're not more important than family. And so, Lord, I, I just pray that we would repent, even right now. Lord, if we haven't loved our families like you wanted us to love our families, if we haven't been... The, the siblings or the, the sons, the daughters or the spouse that we could be. Lord, right now, we just repent. And we, we just say right now, Lord, we will fight for our families, but will you help us? God, will you fight for my family with me? Will you help me create footprints that are leading in the right direction? Lord, help us. Help us to have a, a church here, Kalos Church, where people say, man, the families there are so healthy. Man, people had maybe difficult past, but man, that you can't even smell the curses on them anymore. All I smell is blessing on that family. So Father, we just repent and ask for help. Help us to lead a new course, setting footprints that lead people to you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Kayla's Church, I believe that your families will be better tomorrow than they were yesterday. I believe that God has a plan for your family. He has a plan for each and every one of us. But I want to let you know in that prioritization, you know, my, my passion for my purpose is below my passion for my family. But it's God at the center. God is first. And I, I want to let you know, if you have a relationship with God, your family life will be better for it. You will be able to love the people in your family so much better if you have the love of God flowing into you first. 
And so today, if you're far from God, I want to encourage you. Will you give your life to God this morning? Will you set yourself on a new direction saying, Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you? And I want to pray for all of you that want to say, hey, I surrender my life to Jesus. And I'm not going to embarrass you or anything like that, but I want to ask you to make a commitment. If you want to have a good family life, I'm telling you what, you need the source of all life, and that is Jesus Christ. And so let's bow our heads again and, and make kind of a private moment and close our eyes. And, and if you're saying, Pastor Pradeepan, would you include me in that prayer? I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to be filled with life and life abundantly. I want, I want to be cut off from my past. I don't want to be under the curse, but I want to be blessed. Would you forgive me of my sins, God? If that's you, if that's in your heart, you're saying, Pastor Pradeepan, pray for me. On the count of three, would you lift your hands up so I can see it and so I can pray for you? One, two, three. Just lift up your hand. You're saying, Pastor Pradeepan, pray for me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. That's awesome. Amen. 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 I see you three. That's awesome. You can put your hands down. Praise the Lord. Well, hey, I want to pray for you, and I'm so proud of you that raise your hands. And, and we're actually going to, we're not going to just have you pray alone. We're all going to pray together as a family. And so on the screen, you're going to see some words. Not a magic spell, but maybe some words to articulate what's going on in this moment. And so let's pray this all together at the same time. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause for life change, forgiveness, a new beginning? Hey, for those of you who raise your hand, Man, I am praying for you, and I'm so proud of you. And uh, I encourage you, go through the journey. Like, making the decision to follow Christ is like a home run. It's like the best decision you can ever make. But nobody hits a home run without running the bases. And so the bases for us, I encourage you, go to Crash Course, get plugged into a small group, get connected in a relationship. Let us walk through that journey.